I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Welcome to this week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine, and today I'm excited to be talking to the founder and CEO of the Cajun Navy Foundation, Mr. Rob Godet. With everything that's been happening in the world, especially when it comes to politics and the coronavirus, it feels like one of the biggest tragedies to hit Louisiana in 2020 has already been long forgotten, but its effects, sadly, are still very much with us. 2020's hurricane season broke all records. While Louisiana typically sees about 10 named storms in a season, this past year we saw 30, 12 of which made landfall, and that included Hurricane Laura, the strongest hurricane to ever strike the Louisiana coastline, which made landfall in Louisiana on August 27th, and Delta, a Category 2 hurricane that hit just six weeks later. Both hit Lake Charles particularly hard, causing billions of dollars in damages and costing 77 people their lives. Following the Baton Rouge area floods of 2016, a new way of responding to natural disaster was formed, the Cajun Navy Foundation. This grassroots movement was founded by Rob Godet, a Lake Charles native with over 20 years of experience in internet system development, brand development, and online marketing as a mobile and social movement that crowdsources disasters through technology. While you may not be hearing about it, the Cajun Navy is still very much hard at work in rebuilding efforts in Lake Charles, while also operating within the confines of the current pandemic. Mr. Godet, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on. Uh, let's start a little bit of ground and, and how this all came together in the first place. You you have a background in, in technology um, and, and that did that kind of, was the impetus for this? Right. I have a, um, a background as a senior um, systems developer for a company in Baton Rouge. And um, before that, before that life, I was also um, in management. I really cut my teeth from age 18 to age 24 working for Ryan Steakhouse, where I started waiting tables and eventually became general manager of my own restaurant in here in Baton Rouge. Um, about 1995, you know, the internet's coming out. I start getting into technology, got a, bought a computer from Cajun Computers and got online and started teaching myself to build software. And within three years, I completely switched careers and was, um, and, and got a job as a uh, software developer for a company in Houston. And I really haven't looked back. I've been a full-time systems developer and um, a professional um, uh, process improvement expert using software uh, for over 20 years now. So you were working in Baton Rouge when the flooding hit in 2016? That's right. I moved actually to Baton Rouge, back to Baton Rouge in 2014 with my wife. And um, I was working as a software consultant for a company out of Shreveport, really working from home. And when the when the flooding happened here in Baton Rouge in August 2016, the middle, the middle of August, um, I, I saw people getting asking to be requested on Facebook well asking asking requesting to be rescued on Facebook and 
I realized that um, people were actually taking those requests seriously and, and turning on trying to find people to go and perform the rescue. So I started recruiting people. Um, I joined that group and I, I was made an administrator of the group actually because of my background. And I took it and started coordinating people to collect those requests for rescue and then turning around and um, finding um, voters to go in the field and help. And then we had them download the Zello walkie talkie app. And so in that way, we took the request for help and we were able to dispatch voters to go do precise rescues, much in the same way police departments and fire, de fire departments operate. We dispatch voters to go and do things. And you guys, I mean, I remember hearing about this and you, so you guys got a, a good amount of media coverage, which was nice. Um, but obviously um, you guys have been busy doing other things before 2020 hit with all the Lake Charles stuff too. So what's, what's the past four years been like? You know, I, I saw that there would be a need for this type of citizen engagement um, going forward. And, you know, I'll, I'll back up and say that there's always been a need for citizens to help the, the, the barrier to doing that has been a lack of really instant communications and access to instant information, which are both afforded now through social media and mobile technology. Uh, you know, the people say the Cajun Navy really got started during Hurricane Katrina, and maybe the name was mentioned here or there, but it was 2005. We didn't have Facebook in 2005. We didn't have smartphones in 2005. So we really couldn't coordinate as efficiently as we do now. And that's really, truly the difference. That's why in 2016, well, the Cajun Navy's become a brand because we create Facebook pages and people come to us for help directly. And we're able to respond. Um, even if we're not in the same town, sometimes we can respond. And that's what we've been doing. So is, uh, we've responded to over a dozen disasters since 2016 with the objective of helping and bringing real value, but also the objective to learn how this works and to kind of pay our dues for all these other organizations that have I guess, been involved in disasters for all this time, we felt like we needed to earn, like, earn our stripes and go in and get involved before we could start to really collaborate or partner with, the, with these other orgs. And so um, we responded to Hurricane Laura, um, but going back to Michael, which struck um, the, the Florida Panhandle, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Florence and uh, the Carolinas, even the California wildfires, and what we do is we source people locally that want to get involved. And so I want, the, I want us to, to people to think of the Cajun Navy more of as a, as a platform for, for coming in and helping and less of a membership organization. Because you come in, you help for a short amount of time or however much time you can spare, and then you go back to your life. But we keep that process going continually where we're always bringing in new volunteers to go out and help. We have volunteers today out helping in the Lake Charles area still clearing trees and it's been about four and a half months and we're still out there clearing trees and we do it completely for free so let's let's get into that what is what does lake charles look like now i mean it's been it's been months um and and kind of like i said earlier that you don't really hear about it anymore um it's been replaced in the news by lots of other things and so what is it what does it look like and what's what's the situation for these people you know um I'll just talk about Hurricane Laura for a moment. I think what people don't realize is that Hurricane Laura was the strongest hurricane to strike Louisiana ever. It was stronger than Hurricane Katrina, not that it created more damage, but 
Hurricane Katrina, as people in New Orleans know, created a lot of flooding, and that was due to the rain and, and the topography of New Orleans that's below sea level with the levee system that it has to keep water out. Hurricane Laura was not a flood hurricane. It was a wind hurricane, and th that's two different types of storms that hurricanes, damage that hurricanes can inflict. A slower moving, moving hurricane is going to dump a lot of rain and create a lot of flooding. Hurricane Laura was a fast moving storm with extremely high winds. Um, I've done some research. Hurricane Laura, this is to set, show the impact of what this was. Hurricane Laura was the strongest, um, was the strongest storm, a category four, to strike any major metropolitan area in the entire United States ever. So Lake Charles is not like a little tiny country town. Lake Charles is a metropolis. I mean, it's a big town and it has a lot of, a lot of, a lot of our, um, a lot of things we take for granted every day actually come from Lake Charles. The founder of Yahoo is from Lake Charles. The founder of Pixar is from Lake Charles. Um, the world's most renowned surgeon, a guy named Dr. Michael DeBakey, is from Lake Charles. He actually, if you if you Google him, he's considered by the medical community to be the best surgeon ever. So Lake Charles is a very um, resilient town. There's a lot of amazing things come out of it. It's the fifth largest town in Louisiana. And the problem in Lake Charles that really um, we're seeing now is it's a town where it has a lot of older homes. So people don't really leave the area. People stay in Lake Charles. And what happens is they hand their home down. They ha they've handed their homes down to their family. So, you know, you'll own your grandmother's home and now you're living in it and you expect your kids and grandkids to live in it. What that means is homes are 25, 50, 75, and even 100 years old. And that's across the whole region. And they don't have mortgages. They did, the homes are paid off. And so they didn't have insurance. So there's a, there's a massive amount of homes in the Lake Charles area that simply didn't have the right kind of coverage or any coverage at all for a wind type um, disaster. And those folks are now being thrust into the FEMA world and the government world where there's not a sense of urgency. Um, dealing with FEMA is much like dealing with the IRS. They're going to move at their own pace and you get what you get. But you can go and you can appeal to them and you can fight for more. And there are there's limits to what you can get. But for damage in your home, you can get up to $37,000. And for your personal possessions, you can get up to $37,000. So that's about $72,000 that individuals can get from FEMA to help rebuild their lives. And people don't know it. FEMA in the early days gave people $8,000 know, within a week or two weeks. And folks thought, well, that's it. I'm done. I've gotten all I can get. And the reality is you can go back for more. You're time boxed, but they'll work with you. And so we're trying to understand that process more. And we're going to the elderly, uh, disabled, single moms with children, people who have a, like a hard time making these things happen. Um, they need help. They need assistance getting through those processes and, and getting the funds needed to be able to rebuild their lives. And so that's just one of the things, one of the chapters of the Cajun Navy, it's actually chapter four for us. We've done, we've kind of moved through phases as the time has gone over the last four and a half months. And um, we're on chapter four, which is really help people um, get back into their homes by getting as much money as they can for to, re to purchase things to repair their home. So this is, we're working in like obviously a COVID area uh, right now. What you're talking about, is that things that people can help with online? Like that's not like picking up trees and stuff. So that's 
some of your volunteers, can they be remote and be helping with these kinds of things? Yeah, they can. Um, so working with FEMA really is, is phone calls, um, coordinating, helping, you know, helping 80 year old Mr. Willis um, get as much as he can from FEMA. Um, it's, it's, uh, um, it's something that can be done from anywhere. We do, re we do have boots on the ground that are in Lake Charles, like I said, right now doing stuff and we need more of that. Um, and in fact, we may have a coordinator from home that helps Mr. Willis get the, the money he needs to purchase the items to repair his home, but then we'll use on the scene volunteers with a licensed general contractor to do the work. So we can mitigate the cost of labor and allow uh, Mr. Willis to get his home rebuilt um, by pushing all that money towards supplies. And just to be real clear, the Cajun Navy is not taking any money for this. This is a purely volunteer effort um, by myself and by everybody on the ground. So what does the Cajun Navy look like? As far as you have a, a very large online presence, I'm, I'm assuming, what, what are we talking about as, as far as followers and reach um, right now? Wow, that's a great question. So our Facebook page, we have we actually have a couple of Facebook pages and a couple of groups. The reach combined is about 170,000 that we reach between the two groups and our two pages. But um, during Hurricane Laura, we actually swelled to um, from 70,000 followers to about 117,000 followers. So we added almost 50,000 followers just in the last four months. And the uh, <sighs> We, at the reason that it grew, we wrote some posts about certain things we were seeing on the ground. So when you don't have, when you have an entire town that doesn't have electricity, honestly, it's pretty surreal, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock when there's no lights in the city, but people are living in their homes. And we realized that elderly, disabled um, folks that are in their homes, you know, in the countryside with no electricity, they're running off generators. Well, the generators would run out of gas in the middle of the night and they didn't have flashlights. And this kind of became apparent to us about, about two weeks in. Of course, we we're busy doing a lot of things, but we got asked this by this particular person that kind of a light bulb went off for me and we created a campaign we called the city with no light. And we started asking for flashlights. And to be honest, we got more flashlights than God. <laughs> um, like we were just dilute we still have flashlights that we couldn't give away we had so many and it was amazing and those flashlights turned into followers as well um, we wrote two or three posts that went viral and had two and a half three million views um, so in the first I guess third about three weeks we reached over six million people and that's pretty pretty amazing um, with literally uh, nothing but a cell phone and some words to reach that many people in such a short amount of time. And in fact, Hurricane Laura was the sixth most search term on Google in 2020. And we firmly believe that just the effort to drive that much awareness ourselves, absent the media, um, helped to drive the, the awareness of Hurricane Laura in, in a much bigger way by you know, having people search it basically through Google. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment because there has been no shortage of things happening in 2020 um, that are yeah. pretty huge. So, Right, exactly right. And, and you, can, you can search um, top 10 search terms on Google in 2020 and you'll see Hurricane Laura is right there at number six. 
So, that's the power of the internet. I think people, yeah, people, Louisiana is a hunting and fishing state and oil and gas state. We really aren't a digital technology startup and entrepreneurial type community. I would say yet, um, we're, I think everybody's going that direction. We just happen to be in a place where it's badly needed. You know, the ability to write posts ourselves and hit so many people is is pretty powerful. So we're we're just leveraging that power for good to try to spread word about about disasters as they happen along the Gulf Coast. So in like Charles, like what are we talking about? Because I know you you said there's so many people that didn't have the kind of coverage that they needed. And um, what what kind of do you have any idea of like what percentage of of people are still battling through this or are still maybe not with homes that are safe to live in at this point. Um, how big of a scope of a problem is it still in the in that city? You have you have several types of uh, damage to homes, and it's either trees hit the home when they were falling, or the wind came along and lifted the roof. And it was described to me by actually a, a pilot who said what happens is, and I forget the term, but the lift under a wing of an airplane, those horizontal winds actually lift a roof up in the same way. And so roofs became disconnected and then um, it, it messed up maybe just a small corner of it. Um, and But those small corners still cost money and you still have to go through all the hoops to get the funds to get it repaired. And then access to contractors and being able to deal with contractors is very difficult. So the, um, the, you, you cannot drive down a single street for in Lake Charles, and we're talking like Lake Charles is a major town of 70,000 people. Um, my estimate is about 16,000 homes wow. that did not have insurance that are damaged that need to have repair. And folks are either living with friends and family, which is getting old because I'm getting, I get messages and emails every day, all day from people saying, uh, one example is a, a woman with her three daughters is sleeping with friends and family in different places. They're, they're sleeping on the couch, they're sleeping on air mattresses on the floor of their family's homes. Um, and then they still have to go to work, they have to go to school, the, the kids have to have their, you know, have their friends and they went through Christmas and then New Year's and it's very stressful. Um, and that's, a, that's probably a good case. Another case is where they're living in the home where the roof is ripped off and there's no end in sight. Um, and then they have to manage their own, again, they have to manage the contractor who's supposed to come do their home or even deal with FEMA to get the money to hire the contractor and then deal with the contractor. And, and by the way, they're 67 years old and their wife had cancer um, just before Laura and they're having to take their wife to the, the hospital. So these are real people with real life problems outside of a hurricane. And then you, you add this factor on top of it and it's, it's pretty devastating. Um, wow. We actually, we just, this week we had, uh, we went and put pallets down for a family of six uh, that have been living in tents um, there was newborn infant twins that were born just before Thanksgiving, living in the tents with a four-year-old um, four toddler. Um, the grandmother's in a, uses a walker. Their tents, they had three tents all in the mud because it rained. The best we could do on a short notice was put pallets down for them and put plywood on top of the pallets to put pallets to put the tents down. And then we set up a makeshift kitchen with a sink for them. Well, Three days after we did that, one of the newborn infant tw infants died. Oh my God. Um, we don't, 
we don't know what happened, but um, that's we we've confirmed it. I've actually talked to authorities there, and it's 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 a sad case. So these are these are cases of life and death, and there's a I have a sense of urgency. Um, our volunteers that come get it, and they get us. They have a sense of urgency, but um, so that's why, and that's that drives what we do. And I want people to think of the Cajun Navy not as a membership organization, but as a way to fulfill your obligation to your neighbors, to your, to the towns near you that you can go and help. We'll provide you with a place to sleep, a place to eat, and work. <laughs> and you can come and do those things. We have. 75, 80 open tickets right now. We get them every day, people. I need trees cleared. I have debris. Can you help me, you know, get the water out of my home because it rained last night? Um, things like that. So, and we, it's disappointing because we can't answer them all because we frankly do not have enough volunteers. And so these, so volunteers coming, first of all, I wanted to let everybody know too, you guys are, you guys are doing like COVID precautions and masks and all of that. Um, and because I know that's important to people, but it, is it, what are the limitations as far as volunteering? Like, do you have to be, do you have to be able to carry a certain amount? Do you have to be able to have certain skills? Like, is there any limitations there? You know, if you really, anybody that wants to volunteer, we can definitely put you to work. We have, um, we have our a ticket system. That people make requests for help on and we 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 scout jobs before we go so tomorrow we actually have a team coming from texas we call the texas team texas task force it's actually a group of ladies um that have, this will be their ninth trip um and we're going today to actually just drive past homes we'll stop we'll take a picture of the job and to make sure that it's still a good job and then and know what we need to do and then so you'll drive around town actually looking at at the work that we're going to be doing tomorrow for the volunteers that are coming in tomorrow so that we are just prepared they can go from job to job to job to job so we're really efficient um that's that's something that any any volunteer can do um of course if you can run a chainsaw or just put on gloves and haul limbs we can use that as well and we could so basically th there's not much that you if that you um skill-wise that you need to have and come in and to help. If you have professional skills like plumbing or contracting, like you can swing a hammer or you're familiar with home, home rebuilding, we're working with another nonprofit that has um, a group of contractors that we can put volunteers with that they'll direct the rebuild effort. They'll pull the permits, they'll do all the things necessary to, you know, for the parish or city to allow the home to have to get rebuilt, but then we'll use tradesmen or volunteer tradesmen or just volunteers in general to get the work done. So have there been any businesses helping out? There have, um, and I mentioned the the um, the contractors that um, come in and they work with volunteers to do the, the rebuilding. We also have another group uh, of contractor, a company that does uh, residential construction that is doing the estimates for us that are necessary for us to help people to reappeal their their funding from FEMA. You have to send in the money you need, and it needs to be off of a, a contractor's assessment. And they're they're doing those for free. And typically, it, it costs anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand dollars for that. And they're they're offering those services to us for free. Wow! So businesses, the businesses that can help are definitely helping. And that's just one example. We've had many, um, many businesses and other nonprofits that we're working with. That um, the collaboration opportunities are. Um, are huge and that's, that's the other thing we've been doing is my background again in software and process improvement. I've been looking at how all of this works. What are the moving parts? 
Um, how do people typically work together? And I've seen it time, the same things time and again over all of these disasters. And so we've been building a platform for, um, for engagement that lets people collaborate around rebuilding communities um, after disasters. Now, is that crowd relief? Is that what you're talking about? That's correct. Right. It's crowdrelief.net. It's, 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 it's using a term called crowdsourcing, which yep. is, um, you know, think of a decentralized approach to, um, you know, doing something. We find people with the skill to do it. They come in, they help, and then they go back to their life. It's like a flash mob. You know, you'd see these few years ago, they, they had this concept of flash mobs in a mall where you're walking through a mall and all of a sudden these, all these people run out of nowhere and they start dancing and sync and then they go away, they go away. And that's kind of what we do. It's, it's a crazy organic way to address disasters where it's like a flash mob. We flash mob to the, to the scene of the disaster and we all work together. And as we begin to fix things, people can start falling back and going back to their lives. Wow. So, I mean, I, I'd heard, like, I know just economic wise, we've been looking at like, there's been a lot of opportunities in our region because of the problems that we have, the unique problems that we have around water and mitigation and things like that. So do you think on the tech side that, that there's an opportunity here for, for Louisiana and the region to kind of lead the way in this kind of work? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I have learned that these disasters they're terrible for folks and they create needs for everyday things. Even the price of the dollar in these disaster communities is very different. If you go from Lafayette to Lake Charles, things are gonna to tend to cost more in Lake Charles because they're more in demand. So there's a lot of economic factors that change how people behave. Um, and I refer to these areas as they're really opportunities to innovate and improve things. And the best example is um, Puerto Rico with after Hurricane Maria um, had the power grid was devastated by Maria the electricity was just eliminated off the entire uh, island of Puerto Rico. And what that did, it created an opportunity to try new power and new energies that are lower cost that are um, environmentally friendly. I mean, if you came into a major city or a major region of anywhere and you said, well, we're just going to wipe out all the telephone poles and we're going to put in green energy. Well, it's just not economically possible. Right. But these disasters create economic opportunities to advance that region in ways that you just couldn't do otherwise, just because the economics don't make sense. Um, we've had green energy companies actually come into um, the Lake Charles area and they were actually, they were recording us. They brought us chainsaws and things like that so that we were aware of them. And um, we definitely appreciated the donations. And I don't know if they got anywhere. I certainly couldn't help them at the time. But um, I think the, the realization of technology and innovation um, in these disasters will drive hope in my mind, should, should drive a lot of innovation into, into Louisiana and along the Gulf Coast um, that we can benefit from. And, one of the most innovative things we've done is we partnered with a, um, a driver delivery app called Gopher that is born out of, based in Lake Charles. It was started there and it's spelled G-O-P-H-R. And they, they go to stores and they pick things up and deliver them. We partnered with them. We have our own shopping cart in the app that has the items that people donate to us into our warehouse. We list them in Gopher and individuals can download the app 
pick the items they want, and then a gopher driver will come to our headquarters, pick it up, and deliver it to the individual that requested it. And their items are completely free. Wow. So that's, you know, it's innovative. So we're actually doing deliveries in the community to single homes of things that people need. And, you know, it, it, it makes their life easier. They, they know if they need toilet paper and cleaning supplies and, and food or baby formula, um, they can get on the app, they can order it and we'll bring it to them and let them continue to focus on other things. Wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. With, what is the, what's the ground for smartphone application? So the Cajun Navy has developed our own app. We call it Cajun Navy Ground Force. Um, you can request help through it. One of the, um, and there's several things, you, you can also volunteer through it. Um, one, of the, one of the things we did was we actually built our own angel tree feature into it that we um, activated over the Christmas holidays, where we had almost 500 families request gifts through the Cajun Navy Angel Tree app. And then as a citizen, you could go, claim the card that that family requested and buy those gifts and either have them shipped or drop them off to our headquarters. And our team wrapped them. We spent about three days wrapping gifts. Um, and um, then we, we had a single day where we donated them all in a car through a car line that formed in front of our headquarters. And we would, they'd pull up, tell us the number of their gift and we'd go get it and hand it to them and they'd move on. And by doing that, we gave away over a thousand gifts. We still have some gifts left that we haven't, that people haven't come in and got, come and gotten yet. <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, so the angel tree, the um, the angel tree and the ticket system and the volunteer features are in the Cajun Navy Ground Force mobile app. It's okay. in the iTunes and the Play Store. Awesome. So if people download that app, that's a good way for them to see how they could help, um, whether that's through donations or volunteer or... That's right. Um, they how they can help. One of the one of the features we've built into it also is if you find yourself deciding to stay behind, even though there's an evacuation order, you can tell us um, that you're going to be staying behind, and we'll share that information with first responders, authorities, and ourselves. In the event um, when the storm passes, we can check in on you. You're going to get alerted every <laughs> quite often that you're in imminent danger, and you probably shouldn't be staying behind. It's a bad idea. But um, some people choose to, and if you have stayed behind, we would like to know where you are in case we need to come help you. Wow. So did you ever see yourself getting into all of this, like growing up, or was this kind of like, did you kind of start out trying to help, and then all of a sudden, this is, this is a huge part of your life? Um, truthfully, <laughs> I mean, how often do you have six feet, six feet of water flooding your home? Um, so I, in Louisiana, even, I mean, never really had seen that level of devastation in my life. And I'm, I'm 50 years old. Um, and I, I think that I've always been kind of a giving person. I mean, I, I coached my son's soccer team for 10 years. Like, yeah, it's okay, 10 years. Well, that's twice a year. That's 20 seasons. Um, there were times I wanted to quit <laughs> because it interrupts your weekend and it, um, you know, you're, you can't go on vacation because you're obligated. And um, I think I've always had this kind of bent towards assisting. It, it just so happens I, I am a technology professional. I'm a business analyst systems professional. And it's there's a huge need for someone to take this task on in, in the Gulf Coast. It's not a profit for me. This is a profitable. Um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of weekends, a lot of missed holidays. I, I used 
I guess I had three weeks of paid time off. I used all of them for Hurricane Laura um, this, this in 2020. Um, so it's a, um, I don't know, in, in order for this, to, this approach to be taken, it was going to take somebody to say, hey, I'm just going to go do it. And because there's nobody's going to give you money to do this. It's not, a, it's not an, an investable concept because there's no money in it. I mean, there's no money available, period. Um, it's just going to take the effort of somebody getting, getting it together and saying, I can do this. And so that's kind of what I've done. Um, it's not been easy, but um, I keep my eyes on the prize. Um, which is helping people get their lives not only back to where they were, but better. Why can't we have a vision for recovery? You don't ever hear, like, let's make our town better. Why not? And you know why? Uh, frankly, the politicians don't have the appetite for it. They're in office for a short amount of time. People are really struggling. Uh, if they say too much, they become a target. So politicians tend to kind of keep their mouth shut about it. And it's going to take, it's just going to take the community to say, we can do this and, and realize that we have a, um, we have an obligation. If you know about this, you have an obligation to come and help. And the solution is make it as easy as possible for people to come help. And that's, that's what we're doing. Just making it super easy for you to gas up your car and come to town and just grab a chainsaw or a hammer or um, help in whatever way you can. If we have all of those ways to help, we just need you to come. We, so we make it super easy. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's horrible to hear about, and, but I am excited that, that hopefully, you know, getting the word out like we're doing now, that you will have some more response and have people getting out there. I mean, the weather's going to be gorgeous. It's a good time to be outside. It's a good time to, mm -hmm. to get out and, and do something helpful. Um, but also I'm excited about the long-term applications of what you guys are doing and and the idea that our region can turn something that you know yeah we happen to be hit really really hard by these by this kind of natural disaster but maybe that can make us a leader in that field um uh, thank you for saying that i completely agree um i think there's qualities in our state that in one way, they keep us from be being kind of a digital leader, but once we get our head around the impact that digital can have on our own community, those same qualities are going to, I think, propel us to a place in the digital in the digital world. And I mean that from a, a community standpoint, um, in ways we can't even imagine um, yet. I just I believe that because look the people that, that have, a, I'm, a, I'm an, I guess at heart, an entrepreneur. Um, I taught myself to write code. I was good at it in high school, but I never saw myself doing it as a job until I was, um, had already had another career and started it again. But um, I saw it as an opportunity to grow and be better. And if we can teach, if we can teach kids in Louisiana to code, if every kid were, were required to become a halfway proficient engineer of some kind, software primarily, a bunch of those kids are going to become entrepreneurs as well. They're going to say, oh, I can go build my own app to solve this problem. And they're going to go do it. So if we, we talk about transforming you know, Louisiana from being one of the lowest ranked states in education and income and health and other things, let's teach kids the global language, which is software. And that empowers them to solve these problems themselves, instead of having to go to Austin and, and do it or go to um, Silicon Valley or Boston or New York or wherever to, to do this, let's do it here in our state by teaching kids to code. 
every kid taught to code would transform our state in a generation. That really is the language of the future. It is, it's the global language. Um, I, I hired, I, I'm a senior developer here in Baton Rouge for a company in my day job. I hired recently four developers and three of them are in Houston. <laughs> I haven't even met two of them. And they're making six, these are six figure people. Why not teach our kids to do this? There's a shortage, you can Google this. There's a shortage right now in the United States of 1 million developers. So we're bringing people in from overseas. The th the th <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a glaring statistic that I'm, I'm like trying to, I edu try to educate people about. Teach our, teach our young people to code and it will transform our state and a generation. Well, I think that's a great place to, to leave off. Um, and I wanted to remind people too that um, if you, you can either, you can download the, the app and it's called the Cajun Navy Ground Force app. Is that right? That's right. Okay, or you can also go to CajunRelief.org and that has information there on how to get involved and how to donate. And yeah, get out there. Uh, is there anything Absolutely. you'd like to, like to end on? No, I would just like to say, um, you know, we're, we've been doing this for four years and, you know, it seems like storms and natural disasters, hurricanes are, are increasing and you know, all the weather experts agree we're in a, an uptick in the cycle. And so like every disaster is an opportunity to learn and we're going to be here for the, for a long term. I mean, we added 50,000 followers in the last four months. Wow. Imagine where we're going to be in five or 10 years. So this is a movement. It's a change. It's a, I call it a societal shift. So get involved now and you'll, you'll, um, you'll be a part of a, of a major, uh, a, a major societal shift in how we address disasters. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. I know you're, you're working full time as you're taking on all of, all of this stuff for Cajun Navy. So, um, obviously yes, really busy, um, but I, I appreciate you sharing this with our listeners and, um, and hopefully you'll get some good response. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.